Well, take your Bible tonight and go to John chapter number 15. We'll actually begin reading the latter part of chapter 14. I'm going to take a break from our series in 1 Samuel. Um, last week we were killing Philistines right up here, right? And in chapter 14 and courageous teamwork. Sure enjoyed that message, opportunity, passage. <clears throat> uh, but tonight we're going to be uh, get ready for the missions conference this morning. Uh, those of you that were in different parts, we considered 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And, uh, and just the need for faith promise giving and coming through on what God puts on your heart to do. And I have notes in my Bible, and even in that section, that's from one of our missions conferences. And I didn't jot down who it was from, but uh, they said, giving is about priorities, not problems. You know, isn't that good? And, and it's about uh, wealth. It's not about wealth, but willingness. It's not about wealth, but willingness. It's not about obligation, but opportunity. It's not about legalism, but love. It's not about feelings, but faith. So uh, some missionary did a good job preaching that. And I don't know who it was, but it was a blessing. <laughs> Tonight, well, let's look at uh, John chapter 14. And uh, let's begin reading in verse number 28, catch a little bit of the context here. If you know this section of John's gospel, you know that he's... Um, under inspiration, giving what Jesus said as he's about to go to the cross. So he's about to depart from the disciples whom he's loved and whom he loves. And, um, and he's preparing them for when he's going to be gone. And so chapter 14, of course, begins, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he talks about his father's house and the many mansions there and the promise even to come again. So verse number 28 of that chapter, uh, 14, says, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I told you before it has come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. And then he says to his disciples, arise, let us go hence. So you might even get in your mind's eye, and I think it'd be accurate that, that they leave where they were sitting, discussing, talking there, and then they're walking. So it may even be that they come through a vineyard as he speaks in chapter 15. I personally think that's probably the setting. And he says to his disciples in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth what? More fruit, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And then these words, verse 4, abide in me. I wish we could understand that, don't you? I know we can. Um, we need to be mindful of it, right? Abide in me, he says. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except... It abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Notice verse 9. <clears throat> As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Would you stop and think about that just a moment? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What love? As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Then verse 12 certainly relates to what our theme verse is in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11 that says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, he doesn't command us to do anything that he himself is not willing to do or not what he has done. He has done this. Look at verse number 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father have I made known unto you. Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And again, verse 17, he says this, these things I command you that you love one another. And then he goes on about the world and the world, how it would hate, hate you, he says to them. So several times here in verse 12, verse, four, verse 17, he talks about how that we're to love one another. And of course, our theme is love God's way. And so tonight, the title of the message is this, the root of our love determines the extent of our love. The root, the root of our love determines the extent of our love. I want you to, if you would, consider that with me here just a few moments. The root of our love, abiding in Christ, the root of our love determines the extent of our love. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. <clears throat> we'll consider these wonderful words of the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight.
Obviously, uh, Jesus is about to leave them, but he's concerned that they would leave him. And so he encourages them to abide, to remain, to be constant, to be, of course, faithful. But there's, <coughs> pardon me, there's also, once he was out of the picture, uh, there was also the temptation that they would have that they would not have the same fellowship with one another that they'd had when he was there. And so he wanted them to love one another. All right, so that's where he's going with this. He wants them to be fruitful. Did you pick that up in the, in the passage? I mean, that you might bear fruit, that you might bear more fruit, that you might bear much fruit. So God is interested in us being fruitful, not just faithful. Now we ought to be faithful, but according to his word here, if we're gonna glorify the father, then he also wants us to be fruitful. We ought not use faithfulness as an out for fruitfulness. Uh, we ought to be fruitful. Um, the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives as, in, as believers, but also, I believe, you know, in terms of evangelism, we ought to be fruitful, and, and uh, in terms of world evangelization, uh, missions, we ought to be fruitful. So uh, the Father is glorified when we are fruitful. By the way, God not only desires fruitfulness, He deserves fruitfulness from our lives. And so He's going about to do that. And so we're looking at how the root of our love determines the extent of our love. And so we are to show love God's way. Um, Brother Hainline shared this one there. I really appreciate it. This is quite a, a prize or a jewel that, that he shared. Um, and I forget, uh, Brother Hainline, as to where, who gave it to you. But these are the, uh, just the first few pages. You can see, I mean, it's, it's yellowed. No, you can't see it from there. But I mean, these, this, this is not the original copy. I printed this out, okay? But these are the mission notes of Fred Donaldson. Fred Donaldson was, uh, in fact, there's a book called, they called him Mr. Missions. I read that um, a few years back. It's a fascinating book. Fred Donaldson was a missionary in China. And he was the mission director at Baptist Bible College for many years and really inspired a generation of missionaries to go to the mission field. And, and in fact, I just heard Brother Sam talking about his days in Bible college and being in uh, introduction to missions or something like that. And maybe they were going to talk about uh, South Korea. And so they would start to talk about South Korea and, and it would go something like this. Brother Donaldson was saying now in South, uh, we're going to talk today about South Korea. Now in China, and he'd go off on some big stories about China, you know, he just couldn't help it. I mean, his, his heart obviously was there. And in fact, it'd be a great read if you want to read a Missions biography. By, by the way, I think reading mission, missionary biographies is good for us. You know, it challenges us to, to, uh, to serve the Lord, even if God doesn't call you to the mission field. But anyways, this is called Among All Nations. That's what his notes were called out of Luke chapter 24. A Fellowship of Churches Giving the Gospel to This Lost World by F.S. Donaldson. Table of Contents. Can I, can I just share a little bit of this with you? <laughs> Thank you. Missions, missions. This is a table of contents. Theme of the Bible, missions. Chapter two, autobiography of a young missionary. Chapter three, five imperatives of missions. Chapter four, what is a church? And let me just put it on pause right here. Where's Brother Rocky at? Brother Rocky, I'm telling you, he had it straight. He had it straight. I, it was so refreshing to read that he had it straight, that it's not a universal, invisible church, but it's a visible local assembly, a church, a Baptist church. I mean, he just cleared off the spot and just told them, listen, we're Baptists. Capital B Baptist, he said. He was a Baptist. It was so refreshing to hear that. Anyways, not a lot of that got passed down. 
He had it. Uh, philosophy or gospel? Uh, the chapter, Angie and I read this uh, flying back on uh, Thursday. And uh, philosophy or gospel? And he's basically saying this, are we going to use our philosophy to try to win people or are we going to use the gospel to try to win people? And he was convinced it had to be the power of the gospel. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Man, I, it's so awesome. Um, Jesus' method of training students. Revival in our day. I didn't get to read these chapters, but mission, I did read this one. Missions and the, the Baptist Bible College and, and then a couple other chapters on missions and a world tour part, part one and two. I do want to read a little bit more too. Can I do that? Okay, thank you. I, I think it'll be a blessing to you. He says this, in my study of God's word, um, in fact, by the way, I think in a lot of ways, we need to, I realize we're not living in the 1950s. I totally understand that. But, but there's something about this generation of missionaries that needs to be, trans, that needs to be transferred into this generation. They, they got it. And so I want to read a little bit to you here. In my study of God's word, I've been impressed that it is a missionary book. The Bible is a missionary book. That was drilled into me. God, the God of the Old Testament is a missionary God. The God of the New Testament is a missionary God. The God of the book of Acts is a missionary, is a missionary God. The God of the, the Holy Spirit is a missionary Holy Spirit. I mean, it was drilled in us, and so it is good. It's a missionary book. And that our triune God, Father, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is a missionary, and God's servants have been missionary throughout, missionaries throughout the ages. One of the primary concepts concerning God's nature is that he is a God of love whose major act of creation was a man upon whom he might shower blessings of fellowship. How precious was the fellowship between a loving God and his creation in the Garden of Eden, a fellowship that resulted in a garden of sublime beauty, pleasant to the sight and good, food, and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and a river went out of, the Eden, out of Eden to water the garden. Made in the image of God, Adam was given authority over the garden to dress it and to keep it. Man in the image of God, he became a free moral agent in the sphere of, of Eden and all the activity there with only one precautionary warning. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat, there, need of, eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Nothing could be more satisfying than life in the garden. Activities of fruitfulness and most fulfilling fellowship when God himself came down in the cool of the day and walked and talked with his creation. But sin entered into the picture. Though access and jurisdiction of the entire garden was vouchsafed unto Adam and Eve with only one condition, yet in that early day, sin entered into the world and death by sin. One may well imagine that before yielding to Satan's temptation, Adam might have sung that song that has been reserved for a much later date. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And he quotes the rest of the, the song there. In fact, he quoted a lot of songs. Evidently, he had joy. Listen to this. But Adam and Eve listened to another voice and partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their nakedness was revealed to them and they hid. When God came down in the cool of the evening to fellowship with them, they could not be found. It was then, listen to this, this is actually what I was trying to get to. It was then that the Garden of Eden became a mission field. And God became a missionary seeking a lost, wayward, sinful creation. Calling unto Adam, where art thou? This early account sets missions in clear perspective as one of the cardinal principles of the Bible. 
like a preface in the book, in a book. This question, Adam, where art thou? Presents the primary theme of scripture, God's concern for lost man. God's concern for lost man. This searching question is followed by another in, in Genesis chapter four and verse number nine, as God is interacting with Cain and he asks Cain, where is thy brother? That shows God's concern for us to share in his concern. God's concern for lost men and his desire for us to share this concern. He says, let us repeat and extend this theme. That these two questions addressed to Adam and his son. Where art thou? And where is thy brother? Present in the early dawn of creation, the overall comprehensive subject of missions that will be elaborated and extended throughout the word of God, namely God's concern for lost men and his desire for us to share in that concern. And then he makes the case that the rest of the Bible bears that out, that God is a missionary God. Man, it's wonderful. Some good stuff, some good practical stuff. I read a lot more and uh, I won't read any more tonight. But they understood it, that God loves this world. And we ought to love this world just like God does. I'm glad that God loves us, aren't you? We're here tonight because God loved us and shared, his, shared the gospel with us. And I'll tell you what, choir, that, that song, you know, Jesus saves. Every time I hear that, I get fired up. I'm ready to go out and go knock some doors, you know, just, just, just the, the zeal that comes with that. And Jesus here is uh, basically sharing three, three different uh, parts of life that they're going to interact with as they continue as his disciples, even while he's in heaven. And we're, we're continuing to do the same here tonight. There's the relationship with Christ, the relationship with one another, and then the relationship with the lost world around them. And listen, if, if we're going to abound in his love, we've got, to abound, we've got to abide in Christ. That's what he's telling them. To abound in his love, and our theme being you know, uh, love God's way. If we're going to abound in his love, we've got to abide in Christ. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Did you notice that? Look back at verse number one. Let's just walk through the passage here and then we'll make some application here. He says, I am the true vine. Israel was recognized as the vine in Isaiah chapter five in Psalm chapter 80. Israel is the vine, but Israel, Israel was an unfaithful vine. And so here Jesus says, I am the true vine, indicating he is faithful. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. He is the gardener. He is the one that inspects. He is the one that does the cultivation. And it says, every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it and that it may bring forth more fruit. Um, Verse two, nor, nor verse six, neither of those two verses are communicating that a person can lose their salvation. That's, not, that's certainly not what those two verses are communicating. John chapter 10 and verse 28 and 29 and 30 would bear that out, those verses alone. In John chapter 3, about he gives unto us eternal life or everlasting life. I mean, that, we don't lose our salvation. So it could be that there's a person that appears to be part of his uh, family, but they later, it's, it's manifest, they're not truly a part. That could be what it is, or it could be a loss of reward. I'm not going to bog down there. We could, we could spend more time on all of these verses. In fact, by the way, the goal is not to necessarily do an exposition of all, all of this chapter. That would take a series. Uh, in fact, I believe Brother Sam preached five sermons out of this one chapter. So one sermon on it's not going to quite do it justice here tonight. Can we all understand that? But we, we can understand this. 
We can't do anything without Him. Let me ask you tonight, are you abiding in Him? What does that mean, abide? Well, it means that you recognize you need Him. And you're dependent on Him. Just like a, a vine, a branch rather, that's in the vine, it, that, that branch alone can't bear any fruit. It's got to be connected. It's got to be in the vine. So obviously, first of all, you've got to be saved. You've got to know Him by salvation. And then having known Him by salvation, then you need a relationship with Him. The whole chapter is about relationship. How's your relationship? As we get ready to go into the missions conference, I think it's good for us to stop and think about how's your relationship with God? Are you abiding in Him? Are you drawing your strength from Him that you need uh, to serve Him day by day? He's interested in fruit, isn't He? He's interested in more fruit from your life. He's, in fact, He's interested in much fruit. And He wants to purge us prune us, cut back what doesn't belong. I heard a powerful sermon while I was there at the GIBF by a man named Brother Wally Miller. He pastors in the Cincinnati area. He was new to, uh, I think, most of us. He was uh, Brother Michael Jones' uh, youth pastor. And uh, man, he just preached a, a great message and used how that, how that we're, in, we're in Jesus' hand out of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And, and he said... Um, he said, Jesus comes to inspect his churches. He does. Um, there are certain things that Jesus repeats in chapters two and three. One of them is this, I know thy works. And uh, along the way also says this, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But he also says, repent. So um, let's just make it really personal here tonight. If Jesus came to Southwest Baptist Church, by the way, he is aware of what's going on at Southwest Baptist Church. Does he like what's going on or does he not like what's going on? I think that's a good question, don't you? Does he like it? Does he want it to continue? Or are there parts of Southwest Baptist Church in our lives that need to be pruned? I'm thankful that he cares enough to do some pruning. Have you needed some pruning along the way? Do you need some pruning? <laughs> pruning is you, you cut back what you don't want so that you have more fruit here. Um, maybe there's some cutting back that God needs to do. Um, as he inspects, let's, let's allow that he wants to inspect here. How are we as a church doing doctrinally? Are we staying true to the word that he's given us to pass down to the next generation? How are we doing in terms of an attitude? A spirit and an attitude. Um, well, that's good for us to evaluate and it allow him to evaluate in us rather. Your spirit, your attitude. If you have a bad attitude, do you think he can work through you? Um, you you're going to need to be pruned right there, right? Some pruning. Um, how about purity? Purity. Um, purity with your words. Purity with your thoughts. Purity with your eyes. You say, Preacher, I thought we were going to have a sermon that would like charge us up, get us ready for the missions conference. It would just be fake and phony if we're not pure at heart. We can get some kind of an emotional high, but if we're not letting him really prune us to get the wrong thoughts out of our life, the wrong words out of our mouth, and the wrong text out of our text... And the wrong posting out of our posting, 
Hello? Wrong emailing out. Wrong blogging out. Wrong criticism out. I just wonder if there's parts that need to be cut back so there can be good fruit there. Criticism out. Uh, strife out. I'm just reading here that he prunes, he purges with a purpose. He purges with a purpose. It's never pleasant, but very needful that he would do the pruning in us, the purging in us. Um, that vine is not going to produce at its uh, potential if it's not pruned. My grandparents had, had uh, grapevines and had grapes. And um, my granddad was the husbandman. And he would determine, you know, how, what needed to be done. And it's amazing to me how far they would run, those grapevines, you know. And, but he, they were lifted up off the ground because they won't, produce, they won't produce grapes if they're in the dirt. It's got to be lifted up. And your life's not being fruitful if you're in the dirt. You say, what are you talking about dirt? I'm talking about the filth of this world. Your life is not fruitful. It's not fruitful if it's, if, if it's in the gutter. He wants your life to be fruitful. I'm sure glad that he cares enough to lift us up, to purge us, to cut us back, to lift us up so that we might bear more fruit, so that we would be dependent on, on him, abiding in him. Let me ask you this tonight. How's your time in the word? you're not abiding in Him if you're not having time in the Word. Isn't that right? I mean, we all know that, right? We know that. I know that these are things that, that we often emphasize. In fact, I'd say it this way, emphasize without apology. Because you're not going to grow. You're not going to be fruitful. And He's not going to be glorified if you're not abiding in Him. And so certainly, time in the Word, daily time in the Word, is a part of you abiding in Christ. How, how's your abiding you're not going to be abounding in love. You're not going to have the love for the world. You're not really going to love the missions conference. You're not going to really love the missionaries like we ought to if we're not abiding in Him. And we're not going to be abiding in Him if we don't see the daily need for sustenance from Him. I'm telling you, folks, we can't make it without His Word. His Word is more necessary than our food. And we love food. And we need food. But even more than we need food, we need Him. How's your prayer life? I said, Man, I knew he was going there next. Bible, prayer, Bible reading and prayer life. But how else are you going to abide in him, right? It's communing with him. And when's the last time that you had a meaningful time of prayer? And I, I know we all get busy and it's easy just to kind of rush through your prayer time and pray over your prayer list, and, but not really commune with him. We're, we're talking, I believe Jesus is talking here about really abiding in him. You know, um, remaining in his presence and being there and, and mindful of his presence as you go about the day, just abiding and saying, God, I need you. I need you right here. You, you know, that, there's situations in life that come up that, you know, you're mindful of it and you, and you have to say, dear God, I need you right here. You, you do that? Lord, I need you. As I go into a meeting and maybe even sometimes uh, you might text some friends and say, hey, would you pray? But you pray and, you know, you can pray while you're standing right there in front of somebody's presence. Sometimes I pray while I'm preaching. Lord, help me right here. <laughs> help, help me right here. I, need, I want to abide in you. Now, hopefully I've prayed before I've preached, right? But we need to abide in Him. If you're going to be fruitful as a bus worker, you've got to be abiding in Him.
you're going to be fruitful as a Sunday school teacher, you've got to be abiding in Him. You've got to have time in the Word, not just teaching the Word on Sundays, but abiding in the Word on Monday through Saturday, time in the Word and time in prayer and getting in a place where you can pray for your Sunday school class and pray as a member of the class. And you won't be fruitful in soul winning. You won't be fruitful in, in uh, witnessing to others at work if we're not abiding in Him. He's teaching us something right here. You've got to abide. Without me, He says, ye can do nothing. We won't be fruitful as parents and won't be fruitful as church members if we're not abiding in Him. That's the first part of it. That goes all the way through verse number eight. One through eight is he's saying, listen, you've got to abide in me. And I think it is that fellowship with God that we need. So then once, once we have that, once we're abiding in him, and I, I would imagine that right there would be a good place to start. If you're taking inventory tonight, just ask yourself, am I abiding in him? What, what do you need to change to be able to have what's necessary to abide in Him. It may be that you need to cut back on the entertainment to be able to abide in Him. You know, um, you're up on all the sports, but you're not up on all the scriptures. Um, you wear what's going on on the program, but you're not aware of what's going on in His Word. <laughs> Caught up in a lot of business. We can all get there, can't we? But will we be fruitful if we're not abiding? Not according to what Jesus says. Yeah. Abide in Him. Are you abiding in Him? Would you just think about it here tonight? Are you abiding in Him? And what, what needs to change for you to be able to abide in Him? Abide in me, He says, and I in you. You, you cannot bear fruit, but here I'm going to prude, I'm going to cut, I'm going to do some work here to help get out what doesn't need to be there. Are you willing to let him really inspect your life? Or are we just kind of going through the motions, just playing a little game here? We ought to be willing to let him really inspect us because the next part then of verses really nine through the rest of the chapter, through, I'm sorry, through verse number 17 depends on that. Because we're, we're not going to have joy if we're not abiding in Him. We're not going to keep His commandments uh, if we're not abiding in Him. In fact, um, He makes it very practical. How do you know if you're abiding in Him? You're obeying Him. If you're not obeying Him, obeying His commandments, then you're not really abiding in Him. It's very practical. You can't say, well, I abide in Him and at the same time, dishonest. That's not abiding in Him. That's... You're, you're in the flesh at that point. Okay, so abiding in him is keeping his commandments. And then he says uh, in verse 12, love one another as I've loved you, as the Father's loved me, so I loved you. That's an eternal love. That's a compassionate love. And Jesus showed his love for the disciples. And he, he, we could certainly make the case. He certainly loved the disciples, his time with them, his patience with them his kindness to them, his teaching to them, his visiting them, his going with them, spending time with them. It's obvious Jesus loved the disciples. So then he says this, as I have loved you, now you love one another. He'd forgiven them. He'd had patience with them. So now he's saying, you show that kind of love to one another which means you have to go back to verses one through eight and abide in him. Because you're not going to show that kind of love to one another if you're not abiding in him. Okay. 
Um, he says uh, that you love one another. I'm looking at verse 12. That you love one another as I have loved you. And then, and then he says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And, and so he's, he's communicating with his friends there, and he's literally saying, I, I am going to give my life for you. Um, now, he, here's how much he loved us. He gave his life even for his enemies, not just his friends, but for his enemies. But he says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Somebody, I heard Adrian Rogers this week, man, a good message on, on uh, marriage. And he says, uh, he says some marriages that, that begin as an ideal ends up in an ordeal and ends up in a no deal. You know? <laughs> but he said this, he said, um, love will not keep you married. It's your marriage that will keep you in love. It's not an emotion that will keep you married, but it's your commitment to marriage that will keep you in love. And he said, uh, some husbands say, I'd die for my wife, but he won't live for her. And so I just turned it to another station and moved on to something. No, I'm just kidding. No, I listened to the rest of it. He's got a good point, doesn't he? Yeah, I'd die for my wife. I'd, I'd like to think that I would, but how about just washing the dishes for every now and then? <laughs> All right, we'll move on, so... He says, um, I've not called you servants, I've called you friends. Isn't that amazing? You know why he says that? Because a servant doesn't always know what the master's doing or what he's going to do. But he says, I, I'm, I'm treating you differently. I'm calling you friends because I'm, I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. What, what love? What relationship is there? And, and then he says, you've not chosen me. This is interesting. During those times and even today, disciples would choose which individual they wanted to be their master. And they would go to that master and they'd say, can I learn from you? I mean, that still happens today. Somebody might say, uh, I think about, you know, there's a good number of young men that have done that at, at Bible Baptist Church. They'd ask Brother Wayne, you know, I, I know I can't be on staff, but can I just come here to church and just learn from you? That's, that's, that's good. Does that make sense? But Jesus says this, you didn't choose me I chose you. Isn't that amazing? He chose you. He chose you to be his disciple. He picked you. <laughs> you say, I've never been picked in my life. <laughs> oh, is that guy off to the... No, he picked you. He picked you. He said, no, he picked somebody else that's better than me. He picked you. He chose to save you. He loves you. He wants to teach you. He abides in you. You're saved just as much as uh, he's abiding in you as much as he is anybody else. He chose you. You are his disciple. He wants to teach you. Man, that's wonderful. So he says, now, look, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to leave, but I want you to abide in me and I'm going to abide in you. And then I want you to love one another while I'm gone. It's like when mom and dad say, listen, we're going to be gone. And you're here at the house. You get along. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I always wonder what, well, I knew what went on when my parents were gone. So, yeah. Love one another. Love one another. We're emphasizing a lot, that a lot here, aren't we, at our church family, and to love one another. Well, how can we say we love the world when we don't love one another? Uh, we get, we've got to practically love one another. I love the people in China and Japan and, and in uh, South Sudan and, and in uh, Kenya. 
these are wonderful opportunities we have, you know, for the Brazil and, and uh, all these countries that are going to be represented this week. It's going to be fantastic. I love missionaries. I love missionaries. Um, I think you ought to love missionaries. We all ought to love missionaries. It's a wonderful thing. We get to be an encouragement to them. You know, call them by name. Spend some time with them. Listen to them. They sometimes have some lonely days. I, I thank God that when they come here, they leave. They say, we've been refreshed. That's awesome. We get to love on some missionaries this week. Let's do that. Amen, church? Let's love on some missionaries. Spending time, I'm telling you, just being out there in the foyer, you asking questions and listening to them is a way of showing love to those missionaries. It's wonderful. It's a great opportunity that is ahead of us to really sincerely get behind some missionaries. We just had our, our missions committee meeting and we determined to do you know certain amounts for different missionaries. Be a help to them. Take them on for support or increase their support. You, you like it when your costs go up and you're and somebody says, hey, I think you need more help. And there's a raise that's there. Well, we want to do that with our missionaries along the way, right? Love them. Love them. It's a joy. But here's, here's the deal on that. They're only here for a short time. And then when they're gone, we still love them. But we have the opportunity to love one another. Love one another. This past week, um, as we were there at the Oakwood Baptist Church in South Carolina, Brother Michael Jones is a pastor there. And I didn't realize this, but there's a men and women's home that's there. I, I don't know much about the background to the ministry, but they, in fact, they go to different churches. But here's, here's what uh, Brother Michael shared with us. The director there said, you know, if y'all don't mind, we just like to come here every, I think it was Wednesday night, something like that, maybe more than that, but for sure Wednesday night. We like just come here every Wednesday night. And here's why. They like your preaching because you preach to them. But also they said this, your church family loves them. They don't avoid them. These are men and women, you know, that have addictions. Um, and uh, so the ladies were sitting up at the balcony. The men were sitting down on the Back row, actually, I was sitting just across the aisle. There was about three rows of them, probably 30 men, I think, something like that. It is evident a lot of them hadn't been in church before or very much, you know. Um, but he, he said this, we go to other churches and they say they're glad that we're here. But when we come to Oakwood Baptist Church, the people of the church come around and they shake our hands and they talk to us. And they treat us like we're people. You know what they're saying? They love us. You look around here tonight, you know what you're saying? People. Just people. And um, that's the kind of love we ought to have for everybody that walks through these doors. Isn't that right? Just that kind of love for them. There's people in here who have addictions. There's people in here who've, you know, got some things in their past and such. But God loves them just as much as He loves you. We got to treat everybody exactly the same. We've got people here that have been in homes. We've got people here that, you know, that are homeless and things. That's a blessing. Love it. We have our opportunity to love one another the way that Christ loved us. But to abound in his love like that, we've got to abide in him. You won't be abounding in love if you're not abiding in him. So it's a really good test. Are you abounding in your love for people? If not, 
check and see how you're abiding in him. If you're abiding in him, then you'll love people. Now, people will irritate you. Can I get a witness right there? Sure they will. Yeah. But we can love them with Christ's love. If we'll draw from him. And then watch this. It's not even our love anyways. It's his love coming through us to them. Channels only. Channels only. Loving master, just channels only. But by thy great power and love. Just a channel. This week we have the opportunity to be a channel of God's love for missionaries and a channel of God's love, a branch that can bear fruit in all these countries of the world, uh, a channel to be a love, to show Christ's love to all these countries of the world. What a great opportunity. What's the key? It goes back to verses 1 through 8. Abiding in Christ. Let's stand together here tonight. Abiding in Him. We're going to be interacting with the lost. We're going to be interacting with one another. The key goes back to abiding in Christ. How's your abiding in Christ? How's your abiding in Him? Adam, where art thou? And where is thy brother? God's concern for the lost ought to be our concern for the lost. Father, tonight, I thank you for this great chapter of your word that speaks to us of abiding, of purging, of fruit, of bringing forth more fruit and much fruit. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts here tonight as you inspect the branches. And Lord, where there needs to be pruning, where there needs to be cultivation, where there needs to be a lifting up, I pray, dear God, that you would help us to see that and to obey you. Lord, I thank you that you shared your love with us and that we can in turn share your love for others and with others. I pray that you'd help us to do that, Lord. We sure wanna be a blessing to these missionaries as they come. We pray that you'd help us in that way. And Lord, we wanna, we wanna help the lost to be saved and tell them the wonderful gospel message. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we have our invitation time, have thine own way, Lord. Maybe you ought to come tonight. God spoke to your heart about where you are with him. Would you come on this first verse as Brother Ted leads us, page 505. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Come on this first verse as we begin to sing.